0: A blessed Ash Wednesday to all of you as we begin the season of Lent, a penitential season. Uh, Today, please note that we will be singing the Agnus Dei, and you may remain seated for that. You'll find the music for that in the front portion of the hymnary. And uh, we consider today uh, how a lamb goes uncomplaining forth uh, to atone for all of our sins. Lord's blessings on our worship. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing that you have made, and you forgive the sins of all those who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness, Through Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter, beginning with verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would now increase our faith through them. Amen. When I'd been in the ministry just a couple of years, Uh, A fellow pastor gave me a series of about six videotapes that were from the Unification Church. Dr. Sun Young Moon, sometimes known as the Moonies, uh, was a a cult that became very popular in the 70s, 80s, and so on. And Dr. Sun Young Moon was a, a Korean who claimed to be the second messiah. And the reason for uh, him uh, coming was this, according to his theology, I actually went through the tapes and uh, uh, it was kind of like an adult instruction class. And according to his theology, um, Eve, our first mother, had, had an affair with the devil. And because of that, all of her children were now evil children from hell. And the Messiah was supposed to come into the world in order to begin having children with many women, in order to bring heavenly children back into the human race. And before Jesus, the first Messiah, could get his job accomplished, he was taken off and crucified and killed. And so, thank God, the second Messiah had now come, Dr. Sun Young Moon to fulfill that mission that Jesus had not been able to do because of this death that was brought on him. Good example of of how people can take the central truths of our faith and twist them and, and deceive as Jesus warned about false prophets coming inside of the church. Here's another example. This is from a Lutheran theologian, supposedly. A Lutheran theologian, writing about Christ's death on the cross. Listen to what he says. Jesus himself seems not to have understood or interpreted his own death as a sacrifice for others or ransom for sin. That's published in a dogmatics book to teach future Lutheran pastors. I'm grateful to say not in our seminary. It just shows how how the devil tries to attack the central teaching of the Christian faith, the atonement of Christ. And if he can destroy that and damage that, the tremendous damage that he can do inside of the church, such deception. Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's his statement. That's his theology. The context of the passage that I just read to you comes right after Peter's great confession where he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then we hear from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and be killed and be raised the third day. Notice the very direct aim of our Lord. His mind and heart and focus is entirely on going up the Mount Zion in Jerusalem to be executed and to carry out this mission. And at least nine other times recorded in the Gospels alone, Jesus explains why he had to die, that this was an intentional act that was something was all in the plan of salvation. So the death of Christ on the cross is not like a side note to history. It's not some mistake or some accident that took place. It's not as though his disciples later mistook and misunderstood what it was all about and began to make things up about it. His death on the cross is the bullseye of his mission. It is the very center of theology. It is theology. All true knowledge of God, all of your true knowledge of God can only come with this death that our Lord is speaking about. And so... The atonement of Christ is not some side note to Christianity. It is Christianity. We preach Christ crucified, St. Paul says. And that's really what what, uh, the Lenten season helps us to um, refocus on that again all the more. I was wondering, when Jesus was a child, we know that he was in the temple when he was 12, probably went there other times with his parents, and maybe at least once a year, I was wondering, at what age did that little boy Jesus, watching, watching these sacrifices that were taking place, seeing the blood dripping off the clothing of the priests and off of the machetes they were using to butcher these, these lambs and goats, at what point did that little, little uh, Christ child in his human nature recognize, this is my future? This is all a picture of what is going to have to happen to me in order to bring salvation to humanity. Jesus said once, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And that's why so often, just like we see his interaction with Peter here, so often Jesus has to refocus his disciples on making sure that the plan laid out in the Old Testament gets fulfilled and gets carried out so that the scripture might be fulfilled. We hear that frequently during the Passion history. And God would have us take three great comforts in this intentionality of our Savior. First of all, to know that you do not have a reluctant or an accidental Savior. Jesus is not dragged to the cross, kicking and screaming against his will. In fact, God very clearly tells you and me, like a lamb led to the slaughter is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He willingly went along with all of this. He said once of himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. Not to have it thrust upon him and have it accidentally happen, but to give his life as a ransom. And you need to know that. We need to know and understand that from our Lord. That this was something he intentionally gave so that you and I could have all of our sins forgiven before God. There's a a tremendous line of tension between this holy God in heaven and my conscience and the, the guilt that I know I have before him. The very things that would keep me from ever being with him forever. There's a, a line of tension between that holy God and my conscience. And our Lord Jesus Christ now stands in the way of that line. And he, he interrupts that, that tension and that line in order to absorb and take all of the punishment for our guilt and for your guilt and mine on himself so that the fierce anger of God now must burn down on him rather than on you and me. And even when Peter makes a comment that seems to want to interrupt this situation, thinking that he's sparing Jesus from this, Jesus turns to him and points out that such thinking doesn't come from heaven. It's actually coming from hell. This is thinking of the devil to think that you're going to interrupt the atonement That's how firmly Christ is dedicated to paying for your sins and for mine, to give us a perfect holiness before God that we need to be led into heaven. And secondly, your heavenly Father is deeply involved in this plan to save you. We're told God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. God did this intentionally. And throughout scripture, Jesus refers to this as his heavenly Father's plan that he now is taking part in. It's not as though all three persons of the Trinity have different ideas about what needs to be done for you. It's a unified plan from heaven to bring you there. And finally, God desires that you recognize the tremendous value that he has placed on your head, on you being able to come to heaven someday. As Paul says, you were bought with a great price. Just like a a dad who maybe sees that his child is in a building that's now caught on fire and rushes in and saves and spares his child from, from ever having to feel the pain of the flames and yet in the process himself gets very burned and so on. And that little child may not know for years and years that from which he was spared and how great his father's love, but later on in life as he gets older and maybe has his own children, starts to realize just how tremendous of a value his father had placed on him. So it will be with you and me when we get to heaven someday. We have no idea how awful hell is and God doesn't want you to ever find out how awful that is. And that's why his own son decided to go in and rescue rescue you from that by letting all of God's anger burn on him. And someday in heaven, we certainly have an appreciation for that grace today, but someday in heaven, when we realize what we have been spared from and what we now have because of Christ, just think how our appreciation for Christ and his atonement is going to grow in heaven. Let us now rise and join in singing the last verses of our hymn. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Depart now in his peace. Amen.